Father God, we pray for an emanation of peace from your church, your capital C church around the world today. We pray, Lord, for a restoration of heaven's order in the midst of worldly chaos. We pray, Lord, that your people would rise up and be the testimony that they need to be because the earth must be restored as we as a race need to be healed. We pray, Lord, that your church would have the authority that Jesus intended for it to have and could call into being things that need to be. We pray, Lord, that we would be the salvation of peace in war-torn places, in reckless, hopeless places. In Jesus' name, amen. I know... The new war in Europe is on many of your hearts. And it's not like it was a season without strife before that, right? So let's be the people of God around the world. I mean, that's my prayer. Amen? Amen. Um, welcome to everyone. What kind of spirit did you come with this morning? Woo-hoo. A woohoo spirit. How many of you came with the woohoo spirit? <laughs> Woohoo! We got a few woohoos. How many of you came with a I'm trying spirit? How many of you came with one more cup of coffee and I'll be fine? So we need a little warm up. Roll your shoulders, crack your neck, punch the shoulder of the person next to you. And for warm up question, those were wimpy punches. You guys, come on. This is the church of God. Punch the person next to you. We're here and we mean it. That's what we're saying. That's what we're saying. All right. Part of your warm-up question today, I'm going to read uh, a little chapter, a little, excuse me, a little passage about prayer from the epistle of uh, James, who is uh, Jesus' brother, his half-brother, however you want to think about it. Super practical book, super practical passage about prayer, the prayer of faith, in fact. Is any one of you in trouble? James asks in chapter 5. He should pray. Anybody in trouble? Well, you should pray. The world in trouble? We should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him him sing songs of praise. Well, we did some of that. Anybody happy? Let me hear a little praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Super practical, straight ahead, obvious advice. Is any one of you sick? Anybody? Or is anyone of you scared of being sick, as the case may be? Well, he, she, should call the elders of the church to pray and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. If you're sick, well, you take that to supernatural ministry as well. Pray, get the elders to come uh, and anoint you with oil. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, so it is written. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he'll be forgiven. Well, that's a bonus. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Uh, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that the Lord will accept you, right? Well, actually, pray and confess your sins 
so that you can be restored, so you can be healthy. The prayer of a righteous man, a righteous person, is powerful and effective. All right, that's, that's about prayer. It's about the prayer of faith. What kind of outcome is prayer supposed to get you? Warm-up question, come on. What kind of outcome is prayer supposed to get you? It's supposed to make a difference. What else? Healing. Healing. Peace. Peace. Yes. It's supposed to get you a, a mild, moderate outcome? No, it's supposed to really lead to fruitfulness when we pray. Uh, that's the biblical expectation. This is what James Wright, of course, Jesus has very many teachings about it well. And uh, he has this line in here, the prayer offered in faith. I think as a people, we think a lot about how to do prayer really well. How many of you thought about helpful prayer practices before? Have you been following Jesus for a while? We think about how to do prayer well. Do we think about how to do faith well? How many of you have thought hard about how to do faith well? What's the right way to do faith? Um, To me, that's a far more interesting question. How to do faith well. And you go through scriptures and you read, or you count up all the scriptures in the gospel about how to do faith well, dozens. If you read, count up all the scriptures in the gospels about how to do prayer well, three or four, depending on how you count, right? Faith is a huge component. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about prayer, but I don't want to talk about prayer. I want to talk about the prayer of faith. Right? Because the prayer offered in faith evidently will pretty much do whatever you need it to do. Right? That's kind of what it says in the epistle of James. As a provocation, when we start to think about that, I want to ask you a second warm-up question because clearly you're a little glazed over yet. You're not quite warmed up. So here's the second question. It's related. What's the difference between a prayer offered in hope and a prayer offered in faith? How many of you offer prayers of hope to the Lord? Oh, I hope this works. (laughs) And how many of you offer prayers of faith to the Lord? Faith, the substance of things unseen. Difference? I won't ask you to answer. I just want you to keep that uh, in your head. Um, I've gone through uh, a season recently in which I felt like my prayers were not very effective. You know, worse, I found that when I took things in prayer to the Lord, it actually made me more depressed, not less. And I've been, you know, depressed. It's like 2021, the worst year of my life. I've said that sometimes and told a few stories from it. Absolutely obliterated and devastated uh, in my life. And, you know, and trying desperately to rally from the depths is where I have been. And I've been in that condition, I say, pray, oh Lord, please help me. And I found like I wasn't, I wasn't getting any fruitfulness from it. And worse still, I didn't feel edified personally from it. So I started thinking about this, right? What I was doing is I was taking things to the Lord in, in hope on my good days. On my bad days, I was taking things to the Lord in complaint. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Lord, let, let me tell you how you fouled up my life, Right? And um, to his uh, credit, uh, the Lord doesn't respond angrily to that, but I think he does ignore that sometimes. He overlooks it in the technical sense. 
So I'm like, well, look, prayer isn't working for me. And then I thought about passages like this. And I, well, what I really need to master is not prayer. What I need to master is faith. So I changed my morning spiritual exercises. And what I've been doing for quite some time now, I get up in the morning and I go for a walk because that really helps me, you know, rain or shine. I'm just a kinetic person. I'm an athletic person. My body moves, my brain moves, you know. And I just walk around my neighborhood and I live in a new neighborhood. Sonia and I moved there recently. And there's a little loop that I walk around and I just say things in faith. You know, I usually, I start out, I leave my driveway and I say, today I am a ferocious beast of faith. You know, I, I go there, that's where I start. And, and then I get dramatic after that, you know? I say crazy things like today, wherever I go, people will be overwhelmed by the faith I carry, yeah. right? Today, resources will flow into my life more than I need, and I'll have some to give away. Today, I will give away faith in creative fashion, right? All right, you feel that? Come on, come on. And, and I'll just, I'll go over situations in my life, you know, worries that I have, and, and I'll be like, you know, uh, the Lord is going to give the church a new place to meet, I say in faith. Amen. Right? Uh, uh, the Lord is going to provide for my children in, in this way and that. Uh, and, uh, you know, if it doesn't seem like we have enough, then we will create feasts out of a few loaves and fishes. I just go on and on and on and on. Uh, and I'm new in my neighborhood, right? And, and so, you know, like... I'm an old football player, so when I'm doing this exercise, I get my game on, you know? And, and I'm, I'm not a very expressive guy, but I get intense, you know? And so basically what I'm doing is I'm walking around my neighborhood, staring in front of me, mumbling. <laughs> that's kind of that's what the neighbors see. And you would think that their reaction would be, well, there goes the neighborhood. <laughs> they seem like a nice family, but that poor, poor woman, she's so friendly. And she's saddled with that for a husband, you know? You think that's, that's what they're thinking. But what I have found is that when people see me, like, they will come and they won't even speak to me. They'll just smile at me. They'll just nod, right? And it took a couple weeks before I realized what was going on. Dogs will jog to the fence and they'll wag their tails at me. Um, ones that were uh, angry and mean have now... Uh, become friendly. I'm a dog person, but still, it's kind of remarkable. Um, and I contrasted this to a period uh, when I was in deep depression. I lived in Chicago, South Chicago at the time. It was a very rough neighborhood. And I was in severe depression, and I would go on prayer walks. And there was one week in which I got bitten by dogs twice. And dogs typically love me, but they broke away from their owners, and they attacked me. Right? You remember this? One just, like, bit me, right? below the cheek, and I might still have a scar there. You know? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It was an Irish wolfhound, 140, 145 pounds. And, no and, they'll just leave it there. You know? And, and people were getting angry at me. It was a very violent neighborhood, so people were shouting angry things at me. And I realized that, too, is my faith, right? If I put my faith into a negative direction, then it's like all of nature was responding to me with violence and anger. 
And these days, I'm trying really hard to put my faith in a positive direction and make positive declarations of faith. And it's like everybody is just, like, I don't even know why. I don't think they know why. They're responding to me so positively. They're waving to me and stuff when I walk by mumbling. But I think it's just the faith, right? I think they're just caught up in the spirit of it as if nature itself is responding to the faith that I, a child of God, inject into the world. Do you think that's true? Do you think the way I've characterized it is true? Is that how it works? It's like the aina itself responds positively to faith from the children of God. What do you think? <clears throat> Passage for today is out of Mark, my favorite gospel. And we'll do Mark chapter 11. The story is in other places as well, but I like this one. Um, it's an interesting little story, maybe most famous because Jesus, um, when he arrives in Jerusalem toward the end of his life, uh, he shows up at the temple grounds, throws a fit, and ransacks it. Turns over the tables of the money changers and stuff like that. Do you know that story? Yeah. I like that because it just does my heart a world of good to see Jesus grumpy. It's just like, oh, that's my man. I love that guy. You know? That's my takeaway from the story. There are probably more significant things in it. But what I want to do uh, as sort of a reflection on this thing that we're thinking about, the power of faith, and particularly prayer of faith, I want to read this account. Uh, you might not think that it's about prayer or faith when you first read it. Um, oh, I'm in Matthew, which is the problem. So it's from Mark 11, and we're going to read 12 through 25. It's going to be on the big board behind me. You can follow along in your version of the Bible of preference. <clears throat> so the background here is that Jesus and his guys have arrived in Jerusalem. And the evening before, they go into Jerusalem and they scope it out. For, I think, probably the majority of the disciples, they would not have much experience with the grand city. So it was like, you know, like these backwoods boys sort of arriving in Manhattan, you know, that's kind of what it's like. So they went in and scoped it out. So Jesus has seen the temple previously and he's been stewing on it all night because he didn't like what he saw. And so this is a story of his premeditated return, right? He goes in angry, is what I'm telling you, because he saw something in the temple he did not like. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, they were leaving the suburb and headed back into Jerusalem, Jesus was hungry. So he's grumpy and hungry. <laughs> Dangerous combination. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, uh, which is to say uh, it wasn't the time for fruit. It was the time for leaves, right? So out of season. But he saw the fig tree. And he went to find out if it had any fruit anyway. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. I like that. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. 
And as he taught them, he says, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? He quotes from an Old Testament uh, prophet. But you have made it a den of robbers, which is another quote. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed, galvanized, and rapt, is what that word means, at his teaching. When evening came, they went out of the city, so they stayed there the whole day, Jesus just wrecking the temple courts. <clears throat> In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots, which would be unusual, like from, not from diseased leaves down, but from the roots up. So the disciples know that this was a supernatural thing. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Freaky. Check out this response. It's such an interesting response. Have faith in God. That seems a bit angular. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Now there's a teaching on faith. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, now he's talking about prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours in the same way. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him. Now we're talking about forgiveness. What's going on there? So that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. What's the best way to get forgiven by God? Forgive, forgive other people. That's actually the Jesus teaching. Um, okay. I mean, so many layers going on there, and most of it is kind of implied or, or indirect. So let's just go through it really quickly. Uh, so that we understand what's going on here. Jesus is angry. He's visited the temple. And what he is seeing, that there's a lot of trade going on there. Uh, the, what was happening is that the authorities of the temple, the people that ran that church, so to speak, had created a lot of conveniences there. So you could show up at the temple and buy your lamb for sacrificing right there. right? And it's close to uh, Passover at this point in the story. So... It would be hard to travel to Jerusalem carrying lambs or pigeons or whatever. So you would show up with a little coin and you would buy your sacrifice right there, pre-approved lambs without blemish, you know, for, for the sacrifice. So it was kind of it, something that made church more comfortable is what it was. Yeah, it was an, a, an ATM for religious sacrifice, essentially. The problem was that the temple wasn't really designed for that. So they did these convenience stores uh, in, in the outer temple courts, which were actually designed for seekers or Gentiles. The Gentile courts or the seekers' courts, perhaps you've heard of this. So it was the place where non-Jewish people could come and check out the one true God. So by creating conveniences for, for the, uh, the Jewish adherents, they basically eliminated the chance that non-Jewish people could come and experience Yahweh, right? So it was like anti-evangelistic is what it was. It was church for church instead of church for the world. And when Jesus shows up and he sees what they have done, he gets really angry. The version of this story in the Gospel of John says that he made whips out of cords and drove people out of the, of the 
temple courts with whips. So it's like, this is not Jesus meek and mild. This is like passionate Mediterranean Jesus, you know? He's not fooling around here, right? This was not a theology lesson. This was a takeover. Like, never let this happen again. This was Clint Eastwood Jesus, if you didn't catch that. (laughs) And he quotes, it is written that this house shall be a house of prayer for all nations, for all ethnic groups, for all peoples, from every belief, from every background. That's what church is for, right? It's for finding God, right? And and you guys have screwed this up a lot, uh, and... You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna let this stand, and and it really upset the authorities, and they decided to kill him. At that point, that was one of the things that pushed him over the edge. He wanted to do church in a different way. Yeah, I know some people like that. Um, so that that that's what's going on. Now, interwoven in this brilliant story, you know, and it is a brilliant story about God's heart for seekers, God's heart for people who don't believe yet but are maybe kind of considering it in the back of their heads, right? And it turns out that Jesus is really, really passionate about those people. We have a saying at Blue Water, the most important person in the church is the person who has just walked in for the first time. Hey, Hoku, how are you, honey? Hoku is a long-time member, (laughs) 17 years old. Jesus very passionate about people who are checking out God for the first time. Um, but interwoven in all of this is a teaching about prayer and faith, right? Um, this should be a house of prayer, and what's going on is the religious people are making it difficult for people to pray successfully. Okay, you following so far? Clap once if you are. All right. So sometimes, this is a funny way to say it, religion gets in the way of prayer, right? This complicated sacrificial system that everybody gets obsessed about, you're going to do it the right way, right? You're going to do it the right way. And if you worry about that too much, suddenly nobody's doing it at all. And certainly nobody's doing it profitably. And certainly nobody is doing it in faith. Instead, you're doing it in maybe religious fervor or something like that, right? And that's, that's the problem. You following? So that's why Jesus proceeds as he does. And then interwoven in all of that is this whole fig tree thing. So Jesus is walking in. He sees this fig tree. So I'm going to get something to eat. The fig tree does not have fruit. Uh, the fig tree was the national symbol of Israel. So it's like my people aren't producing fruit. They look good, lots of leaves, but no fruitfulness for like seekers and stuff like that. Um, and that upsets them. It's like, you think it's the off-season, but it's not. You think it's not the season for fruit, but it is. Um, and so he curses the fig tree. And when the disciples see the fig tree curse, they freak out. It's like, you know, it's like, it's like a presidential candidate cursing a bald eagle in America. It's like, you know, cursing the national symbol. It's like that. And so they freak out, and he turns to them and says, you might have missed it, but this is about faith. Have faith in God. And it probably took the disciples a minute to catch up with what his, he was teaching them. It's like, I am upset 
because religion is making prayer difficult for my people. Because people who come for something to eat are only getting flash and, and, and convenience. Um, so let me redirect you to thinking about faith. Have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if you actually had faith, you could command nature itself. The Aina would respond to you if you moved in the spirit of faith. You think it's about doing everything right. You think it's about getting prayer right. It's about observing things right. It's about dotting the I's and crossing the T's, but it's not. It's about faith. It's about faith. You think it's about getting forgiven? You are wrong. It's about having the faith and grace to forgive others. Right? That opens the court of prayer in your life. That means that you can pray with great authority and effectiveness. My gosh, if you pray with faith, you know what? You could command mountains to move. You could just command sick people to get well. You're thinking about the wrong thing. You're thinking about prayer. You should be thinking about the prayer of faith. You're thinking about observance. You should be thinking about the observances of faith. You're thinking about worship. You should be thinking about worshiping in faith. Right? You get it? That's where Jesus is going here. What's the way to proper prayer? Believe whatever you have to do to get to a spirit of faith, to get to a spirit of positive expectation and just relaxation in the generosity of God's intent toward you. When you can get there, then you can be effective. Until you get there, then you're just spinning your wheels, right? And sometimes when we lack faith, what we do is we substitute hope or we substitute religious checklists. Okay, I'm going to repent really, really well. I'm going to do my sacrifices. I'm going to worship really, really well. I'm not going to use any old lamb. I'm going to use a, a pre-approved lamb without blemish, you know? And Jesus is like, no, nah, man, you know? All that sacrificial stuff, you think it's about getting forgiven? But all that stuff is really just a display for God's forgiving nature, right? Don't misunderstand what the sacrificial system was. Don't misunderstand what temple rituals were for. They weren't to make you acceptable to God. They were, to, they were about teaching you how eager God is to accept you, right? I've done that teaching before, so I won't belabor it a lot. Being forgiven in the kingdom of God is really easy. Now, accepting God's forgiveness for you might be hard, but that's on you. <laughs> right? We talk about accepting Jesus. That's what we're talking about. We're not saying that you have to do anything for Jesus to accept you. That would be absurd. No, Jesus hung out with the worst sinners he could find. And you're not that bad. Well, Nick. Most of you are fine. All right, you following? Yeah. I'll get off my soapbox. What Jesus is saying is that you know faith is an extraordinary capability, and realize that faith is is really that powerful. It is this powerful, and if faith is this powerful, then when you have it and pray, your prayer will be that powerful. How many of you would love to get what you pray for? Don't pray really hard faith really hard, you know, and figure out how to do faith really well. That, that's kind of the Jesus teaching on, on, on the prayer of uh, faith, you know, faith that's rooted 
in a God who actually does love you, and more than that, is eager to make you a creative blessing in the world. I mean, consider a God who would be permissive enough to let you move a mountain. You know? I mean, what if you went out there today and decided to just eliminate Aina Aina? I'm just going to move this ridge over, you know? We need a little more space over there. And God's like, well, you know, here's why God would be willing to let you do that, because it would demonstrate the, the power of faith in a generous God, which is his main thing. People don't believe God is generous enough. That's the problem. Yeah. So he's willing for you to make some messes if, he, if that's what needs to happen for you to testify to the truth, and that is the truth. All right, I've totally lost my notes and stuff. Um, so what gets in the way of, of praying like that? Well, you know, religious models to the contrary. Oh, no, 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 you have to pray a certain way. Or you have to be right morally for God to honor your prayers. You know, it does say that the prayer of a righteous person is effective, but previous to that, right, righteousness is defined as faith, you know, a, a, as having right expectancy a right heart toward God. If you are a person of faith, you will uh, repent from sin quite easily. Right? Because you know that God is generous with you, so you don't feel afraid or threatened. Um, so, bad models can get in the way of a faithful prayer. The authorities at the temple were obsessed with how to approach God correctly, if there is such a thing. And Jesus was just obsessed with believing God is generous. Um, and um, strange ideas about sin can get in the way, evidently. You know, and Jesus says, hey, if you want to have an, a, an effective prayer life, just be very forgiving. And don't think that God's not going to listen to your prayers because you're sinful in this way or that way. Sin is bad, you should get it out of your life because it hurts you, it makes you unhealthy, and eventually it erodes your faith. That's the problem, right? But God being offended by sin is not the problem, right? If that were the issue, then none of us could approach him ever. Right, right. And I said uh, about that, um, it's been... Here's something that has eroded my faith in this season because it was such a combative season. It's been such a judgmental season in the world. And dozens and dozens of people were angry at me for various reasons. You know, because I leaned too far to the left on this issue. Except the other people that felt I was leaning too far on the right on the same issue, you know? You know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Right? So it's that times 30 or 40 times. Right, that, that was, that's been my last two years. And lots of people have been angry at me as a result, and I, you know, I wanna please people, and I wanna encourage them, and, and then other losses in my life just kind of mounted up during that time. And I realized this is killing me. This is killing me, right? I don't care if I'm not perfect, <laughs> right? I don't really care if I'm a little too far this way on this issue or a little too far that way on this issue. Here's what I care about. Today, I am a ferocious beast of faith. 
Today, I am an unstoppable blessing to the world around us. And if I get there, you know, God will correct me this way or that way if necessary. If I get there. If I don't get there, then dead in the water. And and that's that's where I've been. And you're fine with me being like that, right? Unless you're mad at me. In which case, you do want me to correct first, right? And so, you know, with all due respect, I love you, but no. I'm fine. And, uh, and I'm not going to worry about that. And in fact, I'm going to forgive you, right? Just to make sure that I stay clear on it. And that's grace, right? I'm just, I'm just going to be free, and I'm going to do everything I can to ensure that you feel free as well. And in that environment, faith is pretty easy. That's why Jesus talks about sin at the end. Be forgiving. just Because if you forgive other people, then you're not going to be so hung up on their judgments against you. Got it? I've been a little meandering on this. Um, but I hope you're following. How do you qualify for great faith? How do you do faith really well? Obey. 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 God's rules and stuff? His what? His goodness. Obey God's goodness. I like that better. Yeah. Obey what Jesus says about God. Remember God's nature. That's the answer of a worshiper. Just meditate on God's nature and character and it will all end up okay. That's what a good worshiper says. It's a trick question. You don't qualify for great faith. That's the point. There are no pre-qualifications. You could be a seeker. You could be a rank sinner and show up at the temple, and God has prepared a place of prayer for you already. There's no qualifications. That was why Jesus was so mad when he walked into the temple and said, this is, this is all about rites and rituals and rules and protocols and stuff like that. No. You don't qualify for great faith. The way that you qualify for great faith is by insisting there are no qualifications for faith. Just do it. You just do it. Faith. Just do it. You just do it. You don't think it. You just do it. And then you'll think more clearly afterwards. You You just do it. Oh, I'm going to have great faith today, provided I'm sinless. No, no, that would be stupid. It's not how it works. I'm going to have great faith today, provided everybody is at peace with me. Oh, good luck. Good luck with that. That's not how it works. I'm going to have great faith today when I feel really righteous. No, I'm going to have great faith today because I'm going to pray a lot until I get there. No. Because mounting up your prayers are not going to help you have great faith. What helps you have great faith? Just getting rid of everything. Unburdening is what helps you have great faith. Right? Faith floats. Get rid of the excess weight. You following? So how many of you have great faith today? And if you don't, you just have to ask, well, why the heck not? Right? Why the heck not? And then a follow-on question might be, well, how are you going to practice it? What are you going to do tomorrow to get there? 
come walk around my neighborhood. They accept anyone. <laughs> right? They respond to faith really well, as it turns out, even from a strange-looking grump uh, like me. Just declare that you have great faith. I think that's the path. I think the path is the most direct path. You know? I just wanted to submit that for your meditation. There is such a temptation to substitute things for faith, like prayer, righteous practice, repentance, measurement of all sorts, of yourself or of others. That's not the Bible talks about it. If you're sick, get a miracle. Next. That's how the Bible talks about it. It's just entirely different. And we are the people of God. And if you are inclined to hesitate about just having great faith, please recall that the world needs you to have it. Right? And the reason that my neighbors are walking to the fence line and smiling at me when I walk by, mumbling my declarations of faith, is because their souls are so hungry for even simple faith like that. So hungry. Right? The world is so war-torn. The world is so tired from fear. So tired from acrimony and accusation. So tired from warfare and vain ambition and, and traditional grievances like we're seeing in Russia and Ukraine right now. And, and who's to blame for this and who's, I mean, it's just, they're so tired, right? The world just needs faith. Who's with me? Faith is a gift from God, right? He's already given it to you. Don't seek it. Use it. Father God, I, I do pray that you uh, perfect your agenda for every person here. Uh, that we would take the most direct path to faith uh, as, as we leave here. Um, and that the whole world would benefit from the power we carry. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. And if you say to this mountain, get up and move, and believe in your heart that it will be done, it shall be done for you. Thus it is written in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.